Hey there, welcome back to the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast. I wanted to let you know that the Salon Business Masterclass is coming up real soon and I want to invite you to join me. Do not miss out on this live class if you are looking to gain clarity of your dream salon and eliminate the overwhelming disorganized thoughts of how to start a business. I will be pulling back the curtain to the pros and cons of business ownership, learn the most important things to do before you open your doors, how to attract more clients, and reasons why 75% of salons fail within the first five years and how to avoid them so that you can scale your business faster and easier. Whether you're thinking about opening up the salon or already signed a lease, join this class to gain better understanding of what it takes to operate a successful salon business. Salon Business Masterclass, you can register here and I will leave the link in the show notes. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Terry. Um, you guys, thank you so much for being a part of this clubhouse today. We are talking all about retail, hiring, leadership, and all things with Steve and Terry Cohen. If you guys don't know who these two amazing industry experts are, make sure to follow them, show them some love because they are so influential, so encouraging, and they have a wealth of knowledge in the salon and beauty industry. And I am just so honored that you guys um, said yes to coming here today. Now, um, Steve is the founder of PSC, and that's the Professional Salon Concept, which is a manufacturer distributor center, right? And um, yes. You did that in 1983, and Terry has a wealth of knowledge as a business leader and coach with an expert in um, customer uh, service um, in the restaurant industry, which I think the both of you complement each other so well and have so much to give to the salon industry. So um, any other any other things that you would love anybody to know at this particular moment about your backgrounds that you'd like to share? Well, I think from for me, I have in the past owned a salon. Currently, Terry and I, uh, along with our partners, own two Paul Mitchell schools in the Chicago area, one in downtown Chicago, one in Lombard, Illinois, at Yorktown Center, and uh, I've just been dedicated to hairdressers in the salon industry. Terry's my partner in, in PSC, and uh, we met, fell in love, and have been uh, sharing our love and business uh, for over 30 years now, so... Terry, what would you have to say? I think that some people still know me from the uh, hospitality world since 1988. And I remember joining the beauty industry and realizing how much, like any other business, I mean, I always say business is business and service is service. It's just you might have a different product, but people are usually the ones that are making a difference in the experience of the guest. So... I always have said the, the hairdressers so much like the service team or the servers in a restaurant and the, the assistants are like the bus boys and the hostess is like the reception. So when I came into the beauty industry, it was very easy to take the systems that I, I learned in hospitality and transfer them over. And I was amazed 30 years ago, and I'm still amazed today at times that that in the restaurant industry, we tracked our performance every hour and we had to know what the traffic count and what the average guest check expenditure was. And, and I came into the beauty industry and no one knew 
those numbers. Did they work hard? Yes, but they weren't tracking the performance. We always say at PSC, numbers are in place to influence behavior. And that really is the behavior of the staff, but it's also the behavior of leadership. And so that's kind of how my background came in and supported the beauty industry. Mm, I love that because Terry, now I don't know if you guys remember, but I have taken both of your classes, the PSC Net and the Salon Inc. And I've taken one of them twice. And coaches, and coaches clinic. And um, it was really moving because yes, Terry, you talk about keeping score and the importance of that. And I believe that the numbers just tell a story and the numbers are the results of our effort. And I think that it's, it's just brilliant that you're right. Business is business and it doesn't have to be hard, um, but it's not easy. But I think that it just has to have a game plan of what is going to make this successful, what is going to work for that team. Um, I'd love to dive into, now, I'd love to dive into that a little bit more as far as the guest experience, you know, like what areas in the salon business do you see that we could be adding more value to the guest experience? I, Steve, I'm going to start, then, then you pick up on me. Um, let's tag team this one. When I look at um, what we say from the platform all the time, hairdressers, they know the answers immediately. We say, okay, when you are um, in trouble, you're running behind, where do you cut the guest experience? And they'll say immediately, we cut the consultation is, is more uh, quick and just bullets. Um, we cut talking about scheduling their next appointment. Uh, we don't talk about our professional recommendation. Uh, we'll cut back on the shampoo. Um, we'll cut back on, on the farewell. We'll drop and ditch at the front. So every hairdresser knows where they can make up time. But what the trouble with that is, it's usually at the guest's uh, expense. And, you know, when you push your service beyond its means, so many times people will say, you know, I can, I can make that happen. I can do that. I can get that done in 45 minutes. And if there's a standard of service and, and the guest is to receive these eight things at this particular salon example, what gives you the right to cut back on those pledges that we made in our service? And the timing of the service isn't just for the grooming or the actual color service. It's about all the little things that helps that guest get lost in the experience at your salon. Well, and, and to add to that, Terry, I think that each individual salon has the opportunity to look at their current guest experience and break it down into steps. Foot, you know, what are the footprints of a guest experience in your salon currently? And where are the opportunities? Where do we have the chance to as a person, make a difference in those steps of the service. We say in, in our classes, we'll ask the question, do you think a guest can tell the difference between a good haircut and a great haircut? And invariably, there'll be some back and forth on that. Some people believe that a guest can tell the difference. But what, what I've come to believe is, is that the hairdresser is the one that can tell the difference between good and great. 
the guest can tell the difference between good and bad. And most of the time, bad is related either to the guest experience or the aftercare that they weren't capable to recreate what the stylist had done while they were in the salon. So we say that great is what a hairdresser does for themselves, that, that you know, the, the service itself, the cut, the color, the, the dimension, uh, all of that is what a guest does, is what a hairdresser does for, the, for themselves. I, I've watched hairdressers watch the guest as they start to leave the salon and they see that one little piece of hair and they chase after the guest because they want to cut that. Well, the, the chances of the guest seeing that are nil, but who, who knows that and who has to have it perfect is the hairdresser. So we say everything else from the hello to the goodbye is what you do for the guest. So the, the, the technical parts for you, the, the rest of the business from the way we greet and welcome them in, from the expectation we set even before they get in, uh, whether you've said it or whether the person that referred them said it. And then do we take seriously, um, and, and our business is magical in that it happens in 30 to 60 minute increments, mostly one guest at a time. So we can all start from where we're at. The challenge that a hairdresser has is, I think, seeing the guest experience from the guest's point of view, seeing the business. A friend of mine says you can't see the picture when you're standing inside the frame mm. and so much of the time we're standing inside the service at the salon and we can't really see it from the street so how do we how do we make that happen and you know look look around our industry robert pro means has made a absolute uh industry-wide phenomenon with two key things that he added to the steps of the service one is the is the wash house and the wash house experience taking the the cleansing uh step to the next level and the other is the color bar celebrating color in his in his businesses and and i think that those are those are all ways that that uh that that greeting and 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 we're not even talking about the ways that all of the salons made things so special during covid uh -huh. once we were able to open so yeah there's been uh, there's been just a, a lot uh, Jennifer about about the guest experience and you know the real challenge and, and you know I, I see I see people like Heather in the in the audience and and uh, Farhana and the real the real challenge is right now we're, we're going from a industry that was all about the guest experience and we're starting to move toward a relationship economy, a guest relationship economy. That's, that's the next level of the guest experience. That's taking it beyond. And that's the relationship that we can build with the individual guest one at a time in 30 to 60 minute increments. Holy smokes, you guys dropped so many golden nuggets here. And I hope everybody's taking notes because I am because it's, it's so relatable, you know, like, Carrie's talking about, you know, you know, where do you cut down on the experience when you're running behind? And I'm a salon owner and I still work behind the chair. And one of the things that always comes to mind when it comes to just being um, running behind or overbooked or overwhelmed is Eric Fisher. If you guys know who he is, he's an amazing salon owner and a haircutting, haircutter. He always talks about 
making sure that you are being a duck. And the duck looks like it's uh, just very graceful floating on the water, but underneath it's paddling crazy because all these, sea, you know, the snap turtles are trying to bite its feet and it's just going mad. And that you need to be like the duck. And um, so that really just related to me when you, when you talk about, you know, what, what is the standard of service? And I think that it's so important to establish that either as an independent artist, hairstylist behind the chair, or creating some type of uh, system culture for your salon brand of this is the standard of service and this is how we behave and, and this is what we do to be proactive when we are running behind. How do we work together as a team? And I think that there is so many great opportunities that are involved with that service experience. And you're, you're right, Steve, like breaking it down. And you, you really hit the nail on the head when you talk about, you know, the what is a good haircut and what's a great haircut, you know, that's about us. That's about us really creating art and getting that fulfillment and seeing that. Um, but for the guest, it is the good and the bad, you know, and I think a lot of us can, yes, tell what a good and bad haircut is and also what a good and bad service experience is too. Um, I, you know, I think that there, we are just seeing a ton of different changes happening in our, in our industry. I think at least for Illinois, we're open back up and we are able to um, work at maximum capacity. What is your suggestions as maybe we start to double book again? Tread carefully. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that's, that's so remarkable right now is, is that the salons have been inside their four walls they we, we've in illinois we've been open now as you know since uh, uh really since june of last year but many of the guests have been reluctant to come back until you know some very recently and so the other thing they've done is they've extended the time in between their visits so if we if we look at that uh, we have to make a bigger deal out of the guest visit each and every time. And, and if, we're, if we're working with assistants, uh, we've got to make sure that the assistants on the same page with us. So I am uh, one that says tread carefully with going back to the double booking. It's, it, it, it may come, it may not come. I know that uh, Robert's talking a lot about doing uh, more with less people and you know, I, I guess I want to say one one more thing about that, and it's um, I, I have a dear friend who actually just joined uh, Clubhouse and just joined the audience, but uh, John McCormick from Visible Changes in Texas, and one of the things that John said to me early on was that we want our staff to service like in a French restaurant when we've all been raised on McDonald's. Mm -hmm. And so whatever it is you come out of this time that we have today, uh, sharing about the guest experience or how to take your business to the next level, it has to be something that we're willing to train and invest in the training of our staff and our teams because we all have been raised on McDonald's. And, and service like what we get in a Four Seasons Hotel or a Ritz-Carlton or a fine uh, dining experience. Are you there? Mm -hmm. 
Did you get out? <laughs> we lost him for a second. So let me, let me pick up, okay? A couple of things I'm thinking about. You know, when I, when I was in hospitality, and I, especially when I was working at Pillsbury, when we say start at the gastro and work backwards, you have to have that as part of your, um, your service chant. When we were in um, the restaurant, and the two things we said was, Cold food. <laughs> cold food. <laughs> food, cold drinks. And everyone on staff knew that was the priority. So if you were the closest person standing there when hot food was put out, you ran that food regardless if it was your customer or not. Cold drinks, the same thing. Nothing could be. You didn't have to defend on a daily basis. Someone run that food. Someone run those drinks. Someone. It was so ingrained as part of our culture. So when you take a look at the guest experience, if you go into a restaurant, the first thing you're going to expect is water, and then maybe they're going to serve you fresh bread, fresh warm bread, even better. And maybe they have a specialized butter at the table. It could be a honey or it could be a pesto, whatever. These, all these things, they've decided to put in place for the guests to enjoy and for their business to be remembered. When I think about the salon sometimes, when we go in, people will think more about where they're going to place their front desk or where they're going to place their stations, and they don't talk about how we're going to serve. What we're going to have in place that will romance the guest experience. Now, sometimes sheer energy can create that, but some people can't just say, now service your best. You have to teach it, especially going back to Steve's point. You can't ask for fine dining service if no one's ever experienced it. They're not going to be able to relate to it and understand. So my whole thing about it is, is and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the optics of this. When, when we came back from COVID, I went to a salon that has a, how many? Probably 45 nail technicians. It's a nail salon that's doing, Steve, what did we, what did we think? About 2.8 million a year in this nail salon. Yes. And their traffic is about 1,500 people a week. And so when you take a look at just the sheer volume, I mean, I believe there's, I think there's 40 pedicure stations and 50 man stations in the place. And when we came back from COVID, the optics were done beautifully. All the plexiglass, all the sanitation steps, um, X's on the carpet. But they concentrated so much on the optics, but they didn't train their people how to say it the right way. And I find that in the salon industry, too. The optics are laid out and they're obvious. But what do you say when a guest is in the take-home area? How do you escort the guest back? How do you put the words to complement the wash house experience and to make the guest more comfortable? How do you escort them back to their hairdresser and do a professional pass-off? What are all the words that need to be used during the service? We get the optics but we don't get the dialogue. And, and that's what makes the businesses look too casual and oftentimes sound too sloppy. Oh, thank you so much, Terry, for saying that. You know, it's so important that if you want to establish maybe a high-end brand, you, you have to teach people how to do that. You can't just 
expect them to know or be in your mind of how you want that flow of the service to be. And the fact that you're talking about escorting them around, clients come in and especially if it's their first visit, they don't know where you want them to go. They don't know that you want them to sit or where the bathroom is or how they should check in. They don't know what to do. And so you have to also <laughs> show the guest the experience that you want to have for them as well and guide them around, show them around and be hospital for them, to them. So they feel really comfortable and welcomed in your salon home. Um, well, and we have to the structure, confidence in the service for example um how are we placing the cape on how are we placing the cape off how are we preparing that chair so everyone knows that chair is empty and ready to receive a guest how are we doing that at the shampoo bowl this isn't obvious it can't just be set up a color tray. You almost have to have a diagram on how you want that color tray set up and they all should be consistent. We were in a salon teaching. It was a, a very good high-end salon. And I said, how do you prepare your color service? Well, there was 15 different variations of it. So do we have consistency? Do we not? And the guest and the staff gain more confidence when you have those things in place. One of the things we say, Jennifer, all the time is, is that you will tire much sooner of saying your vision and your message long before your team ever gets tired of hearing it. It's so important to be able to, to restate over and over and over again your vision and, and share that with the team and give them that to live up to. This is, uh, you said earlier that it's a, uh, it's a simple business, but it's not easy. And it's not easy because it happens one guest at a time. You're only as good as the last guest, last visit with the last guest that you had. And, and to, to establish consistency of service, consistency of, you know, of excellence over years takes an incredible amount of time and, and, and focus and energy and, and that's where sometimes owners lose sight. They, you know, they, they, they get frustrated. And, and uh, we, we have to make sure that we have a, a group, whether it's a podcast like yours, uh, Jennifer, or whatever, whatever podcasts, whatever clubhouse, whatever support group that you go to, it's critically important that, that you have that support group that's at your level. One of the things that we talked about just the other day was that because a salon owner is in business for themselves, sometimes they see it as being in business by themselves. And when that happens, they usually take on a confidant, uh, which could be the, the longest term employee. And they share things that really shouldn't be shared. And we say all the time that if you say this is just between us, it isn't. And it never will be. So we, we put our businesses at risk sometimes by not having that input from the outside. And that's that's what's so important, whether you call it a coach, whether you call it, a, a, you know, whether you use a podcast as a coach, uh, really important to, to select a coach. So good, you guys. I would love to circle back. Um, you know, we're talking about some challenges that their industry is is facing. And 
you know, you, you spoke about the guest experience into it's becoming more of a guest relationship economy. Can you dive deeper into that? What does that mean to us? How do we tap into that? Sure. And where you see it, it's, it's so interesting because the whole uh, uh, guest experience, the experience economy was, was a book that was written by uh, uh, Pine and Gilmore. And, and that really has taken us two or three decades to digest and, and, and bring about into the salon industry. And John DeJulius, who started, who still has uh, salons, John Roberts Day Spa in, in Ohio, uh, he wrote recently a new book called The Relationship Economy. And, and the book is excellent. And he has gone on way beyond the beauty industry uh, and coaching some of the big companies like Starbucks and, and so on. And the relationship just speaks to the depth of what you have with the places where you spend your money. See, we all have an option when we spend our money. It's our discretionary income. And we used to, in the salon industry, believe that we were just competing with the hairdresser working next to us or the salon down the street or in some cases, uh, in the old days, the home hairdresser, we were competing with them. But in reality, we're competing with every business that competes for discretionary income. So it's, it is the, the Nordstrom's of the world. It's the fine dining of the world. It's, it's in the, you know, it was travel for a long time. Um, and it's anybody that competes. So how do we, how do we keep that, uh, how do we keep that focus to realize we've got to be so much better at getting better? And part of that is what we have, the relationship that we have with the, with the guest. And, and so, for example, think about the companies that you uh, enjoy the most, uh, you know, and uh, I'll just, I'll just use Starbucks as, as one of mine. Who didn't know that was going to happen? <laughs> I, know, I know. Well, because you know what? They, they, they think about it all the time. It's not just the guest experience, but it is the relationship. And they started that with the, uh, they started that with putting your name on the cup and, and then they, they weren't doing that in the drive through. And now they're doing that in the drive through. They communicate with you, uh, when they need to build traffic, such as the, you know, the, anything that brings you back the second time, uh, the treat, uh, receipt. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I'm noticing now is, is that they will, if they haven't seen you in several days, they'll come up with an extra star day just for you. It's only your star day. It's not double star day for everybody. Uh, I think I missed them about four days in a row once and I got all the way to triple star day because they, they didn't know where I'd gone. And, and that's relationship. You know, you, you feel a relationship because it's a customized approach to well, the way. Let, let, let me say something on that, too. You know, the first time I drove up to Starbucks years ago and they said when I got up to there and I placed my they go, OK, see you at the window. And it just lit me up. It wasn't drive ahead, move forward, get your, get your money out. It was see you at the window like they wanted to. And just that change of dialogue separated them from other companies that have a window experience with their guests. And I, and I love it's like, okay, I'm right there. It, it made a difference. So now when I look at 
the salon and you think about the drop and ditch sometimes that hairdressers are afraid to talk about price at the front desk so they'll just leave there's a way to personalize that to make that feel even better and more sincere and we've got to be able to analyze every uncomfortable moment we have as a service provider and say how will that make that easier you know i was in um a line and ordered a iced tea. I think it was just an iced tea. And the sound was so bad on the speaker. Now, as a service fanatic, it's my job to say, your sound system horrible. And I think you would service your guests more, more easily and more efficiently, efficiently if they could hear you and you could hear them. And when's the last time you had a guest critique your business and you didn't respond to it? I bet they're not going to spend money on that that drive up microphone, but they're going to tolerate the guests being uncomfortable over and over again. At some point you'll say too hard. I'll just go somewhere else. Mm. I shouldn't have to scream and I should be able to understand the person that's taking my order. That same stuff happens in the salon industry on a regular basis. And we say to them, Oh, just handle it. I can remember um, working with a, a top salon, our top salon. And I, and I went down there, it's one that we're, we were servicing and, and they didn't have enough parking spaces. And I said to her, how long have you been apologizing for your parking spaces? And she said, well, the landlord, I said, I know, but how long have you been apologizing and how often does your guest come in and saying this parking spot, this parking situation gives me anxiety. I know, I know. And then I asked the question. How much longer are you going to tolerate that it's okay to make your guest have to be uncomfortable being a patron of your business? How much longer are you going to tolerate that? Mm. And she said, oh my God, I never thought of it like that. And that's when you, you pay attention to such a degree that you don't cover up their um, displeasure in your business with an excuse. And they moved their <laughs> business, doubled their size, and parking isn't an issue and they're getting ready to expand again come on pay attention the signs are there the guest is telling you every day with their body language or with their verbal uh, words what they need from your business we just don't pay attention a lot of times we defend what is versus uh, support what could be Mm, Terry, that is so good. And I love that you guys are talking about this new relationship approach and even simple things like changing up your dialogue can help elevate you as a professional, but your business mm -hmm. overall. You know, I think one thing in our industry is that I think a lot of us have difficulties really establishing that boundary of, of a relationship, of a professional relationship. You know, I think that we're giving out our numbers. They know where we live. We know everything about them. Like, where do we draw this line where we're, we're creating this relationship economy, relationship approach, but yet we're still protecting ourselves as an individual? Well, I think there's a difference. Professional, personal, professional business relationship. That's the key. It is, it is personal, but it's a professional personal. We have great relationships with our customers. But if I was to overpromise saying, yes, we'll vacation with you. Yes, you can stop by anytime. Yes, Steve and I would disappoint every relationship. 
because we wouldn't be able to be good to the relationship with our time. We can be good to them in business, but we couldn't be good to them personally. And you have to know what you're capable of in every relationship. So I think that what happens is, is everyone thinks that they're their friends. And that's why they get uncomfortable. They get so close to them, then they don't want to do a price increase. And they get so close to them, they won't walk the guest up to the front. A personal relationship is fine if it can be managed professionally. And, and the thing that, that, that I, I agree so totally with this is because we have to remember that these are guests. They're not, yeah, they they're not friends. They're, they're paying for our time. They're paying for our services. And, and so as that, they need to have that respect. And when, when Terry says personal perfection, professional business relationship yes. that's what's so important and it's so hard sometimes I'll give you an example our our 16 year old daughter she talks to someone excuse me for five minutes that's now her best friend oh yeah best friend and <laughs> and, and and i said to her last night i said emma your best friend really is that your that's your best friend and she said, no, Dad, not really. Nina's my best friend, but you know what I'm saying. And and I worry about sometimes we're, we're leading young people. Certainly after they leave our schools, they, they wind up working with many of you. And they that whole best friend Snapchat society is is what we're putting behind the chair. And so to tell them about relationship economy, yeah, or they're thinking, yeah, I'll give them my snap, I'll give them my Instagram. And, and that's, that's relationship. That's not relationship. Relationship is like you think about any person that's important in your life. And, and you know, for example, you know when that, that person needs a cup of coffee, when they need flowers sent to them, when they need just that extra glance when they need you to just sit in their discomfort with them for a little while it's it's such a personal it's a personal thing but in a professional setting what you do as as hairdressers is you touch what 70 percent of someone's first impression that everything that's around their their face and their hair 70 percent of their first impression and you give people the added confidence that comes from looking and feeling their best. Imagine if that's our task and we're rushing. Imagine if that's our task and we're more worried about them having our snap or our, or our Instagram than that we see them. So many people right now are going to bed every night not having been seen or not having been heard. Hairdressers touch people. I love that. That's what that's what this industry is all about. And you know, as one of the leaders, I, I want to think about this in, in a more detailed format. I I think that you've got a little bit more um, latitude the longer you've been in a guest relationship. Certainly, when you're building a relationship with a guest, you've got to prove your value before you can take that relationships the next level but because we're in a society now that kiss and tell come on they they tell everything and there are no boundaries of professional behavior 
there's no standards. And that's the biggest thing as I've gotten older is I can't believe how blurred that is now. And a guest has the right to expect these things from your service. And when you cross the line too early, that oftentimes is at the expense of the relationship. And we need to teach that. It's, it's professional savvy, it's business savvy, it's hairdresser savvy. We have to teach that and make that part of our training program. Because just to say you need to be a professional with them, they'll nod away. But they don't know exactly what that means. And you have to give great examples of that. I love this topic of relationships. And I would love to shift it into not just the hairstylist and the guest relationship, but what about the salon owner and the staff relationship? How do we how do we set the boundaries there? How do we make sure to um, keep sacred this professional behavior, but maybe still showing empathy or sympathy and encouragement? Steve, you want to start? Well, something that that we really have have learned recently uh, that that I think changes my own leadership view, and that's that we need to attune with a person before we can influence a person. And leadership is nothing more than influence. And so if we want to influence our team, what, what we have to do is attune with them. And it, it is one another word for that, Jennifer, is empathy, as you said. It's it's meeting them where they're at. It's seeing them in in, in what they say. So much of the time, because salon owners are usually either close to a generation older uh we get tired of of constantly building our staff constantly trying to get the right people together to deliver service at an extraordinary level but what we have to do is peel back and say what are they really saying when they don't want to come in for a day of education what do I need to hear from them? And then once I've heard that, and I appreciate that, how do I then lead that person? Because remember, they joined you. And they joined your vision and your and your salon. And your ongoing responsibility is to help take them to the next level. Because you know what, if we're not taking them to the next level as leaders, they're going to leave us at some point because they're not making enough money. And isn't that a funny juxtaposition? Because here sometimes as leaders, we say they don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. They being the employee, the, the team member. And yet they do want to do it. We just haven't connected with them at a level because doggone it, they'll leave us if we don't help them grow. Well, I, I think the other part, is, is we definitely have to put our standards of expectations in place. So many times when we sit down with an owner and say, okay, talk to us about your team. And they'll say, they'll go through the criteria. And then I'll say, okay, what should they be doing based on their talent? Because it's usually never a talent issue as more as it is. It's a, a personal, how they carry themselves issue in my business. And I'll say, why are they a $100,000 producer behind the chair? And they'll give us all the reasons. And then what I'm doing at the same time they're saying that is I'm listening to that salon is why isn't that a million dollar salon right now? 
What are the things that are holding them back? We're justifying weaknesses where uh, people want to work less versus put the time in. Um, they're very comfortable uh, doing the minimum versus shooting for the maximum. And the same reasons, and I, I'll tell you this from a coaching standpoint, the same reasons hairdressers aren't $100,000 producers are the exact same reasons the salon owner is not a million dollar salon or more. And, and when you tie those together saying, well, we don't want to hurt people's feelings or we don't want to push too hard, they may leave, all those things are going to happen anyway. They're under you and you should make a better version of them. More confidence, uh, more confidence, not only personally, but professionally being under your leadership. And so many owners will say to us, I'm afraid to leave my people. I'm afraid I'm going to say it wrong. So I say nothing. Well, what does that cost you? How's that working for you? Mm. And you'll notice if your salon's not where it needs to be, um, and you really sit with yourself and list the reasons why, you're going to see why those hairdressers aren't growing in your business too. Mm, so well said. And I think when you say that, you know, I, a lot of salon owners are nervous and maybe fearful that staff will leave to do something else. But it, it almost seems like if that's going to be the inevitable, then why not just continue to push your team to be the best version of themselves and, oh, yeah. and to lead by example? And, you know, if the outcome is, is that they leave and do something else, at least you're doing what's right, right? And there's also an expression I like to say is leave people to their face, not behind their back. Just say it. Say, I'm going to risk this uncomfortable moment to bring out the greatness in you and to help bring out the greatness in our team. You know, it's, it's not easy. And, and because it, people perceive it, everyone's always so sensitive and personal. But that's why I love sports so much. Because if we want to win, we have to risk conversations right? I mean, you can have, you can be the best in the game, but still need a coach. Even when you're there, you want someone redirecting you, telling what you can be working on, holding you accountable for your goals, pushing. And if they say, does your leader meet with you? No. Does your leader talk to you about your performance? No. Um, do you know where, when you're going to get your next price increase? No. Do you know how to earn it? No. I wouldn't stay there either. I want someone that can show me what I can become in their business through their training and development, not half-baked, through their training and development, what can I become in their business? And then me as an owner, I'm watching to see who wants to grab the brass ring because I've laid it out for you. You know, Jennifer, one of the things, uh, I think back to sitting with a salon owner that always needed people and never was bigger than about three people in their salon. And finally, one day, after talking with him about it for years, I said, you know what, let's role play. I'm going to be the, the best person that's ever walked through the door that you need me on your team. Let's, I want you to interview me. And at the, end of, at the end of the time, I realized two things in particular. One is that he did all the talking. And the other is that he uh, had no 
meat behind what he was saying. So what I mean by that is, if you're going to hire people, I think that when you sit down to interview someone, you have to have, first of all, career path. There's no career path in the salon industry, uh, for the most part. The way you, you, you join, you go to work in a salon, they may train you uh, for a period of time at, artistically. But what they haven't shared is, is what are the most important metrics? How will you measure to make sure that I'm growing? I couldn't work at any other profession and not have any accountability. Imagine a salon that most of the time is, is led by emotion and, and it's led by paycheck and gratuity. That's the only way I know if I'm growing. What we say is, is that when you sit down to hire someone, you need to have, you should have a career path and what the next 10 years minimum is going to look like working in your, within your vision and within your leadership. And you know what's amazing about that is they go home and tell their family that, wow, this is where I can go in 10 years. And why is Pampered Chef able to provide or other companies pro- able to provide levels of being in Pampered Chef more than we can provide it in our own salon business? Mm-hmm. And, and that's why when you can see the trail, you'll want to conquer it. So when you're interviewing, not that we've got time to go into our whole career path. We do that in our salon, Inc., as you know. But what we say is, this is what you can expect from us. And this is what we will provide for you. And then this flip side of the interview is, what can we expect from you? And let them talk about their commitment to who they are. And does that fit with what you're trying to accomplish? It, it's not about liking them. It's this is what you can expect from us, what can we expect from you? The back and forth on that conversation makes a really good deep diving interview. Terry, something that you say all the time is, is you'll ask a, a uh, person that you're interviewing, do you, do you want me to be good to you or good for or you? Good for, and, and I also say to them, how hard can we bring out the greatness in you? And I love when they go, yeah, tell me everything. I work best. And then I tell them, and then they create a huddle in the back with tears rolling down their eyes. You know, you can't have it both ways. Come on, thick skin. I'm going to, I'm here to help you. And you know, when, when you really show that you can, I mean, here's a question I would ask you, I'm sorry, I didn't finish my thought, but here's a question I would ask if I was interviewing is, uh, uh, do you have proof of creating great hairdressers here? What happens if an applicant said that to you right now? How would all the owners answer? And can you create, are you a teaching salon, like a teaching hospital? Are you a teaching salon? And, and I say, owners say to me all the time, yes, I'm a teaching salon. Well, when do you do it? When I have time. You mean you don't have a strict schedule for being a teaching salon? No, because I had to go back behind the chair on Tuesdays. Do you see how we sabotage our efforts and sabotage our commitment over and over again and then we're surprised at the results that's what we're talking about oh that was so good and i think that a lot of salon owners can relate i can relate and and i think that i i love how you said that too it it, do you want me to be good to you or good for you and not all the time stepping into the leadership role is it going to be (laughs) necessarily being good to to them and our our job as leaders is to really 
cultivate that culture and to develop people and you know and and the results will be there um shown through numbers or finances um but we ultimately have to continue growing you know what are the things that we need to really be paying close attention to to know that we are growing um either as an individual as a leader or as a business as a whole well i i love that you asked that question because in our quiet time even i are talking about this i want everyone on this call to realize that leadership is not just knowledge or or having a lot of knowledge doesn't equate to leadership it's being able to influence others to make changes or being able to address them. We've got very smart people, very smart, even in our organization, so bright, but they can't influence. Maybe they're afraid to influence. Maybe they um, had a walkout last time that they made a decision and are, are treading gently or, or, or lightly on the emotions of their staff. But knowledge doesn't mean leadership just because of what you know. And so many people say, can't they just watch me and do it right? No, they have to be taught. And when you, when you think about knowledge doesn't always mean that you can train too. Just because you know it doesn't mean you can teach it. And so going back into really um, some of you have been doing this 20 years and still hiring. And some of you go, I can't have that conversation one more time. I've been saying it for 20 years. Then you've got to find someone else that can take the teaching baton from you and help create great people under your leadership. Uh, I don't know if that made sense, but it's, it, it, we get frustrated yet. We're the one that trained them or didn't train them. Uh, we get frustrated, but we didn't test them out. We, we get frustrated that we didn't have consequences for them making poor decisions. You know, that that's on us. And I'm not for sure which one of you said that. Um, I think it was you, Terry, but you know, we, we sabotage our own commitment. We as leaders get in our own way of what our businesses could become and what our staff could become too. You know, um, I love your schools, the, the Paul Mitchell School, Lombard, Chicago. In fact, two of my two of my staff are from your school. And I you guys have just such a great educational program that you're producing really great future professionals. Um, and and I think that you instill the importance of education to them. And I think that that's just so important that we not just continue educating on the technical portion, but also at in the beginning stages, understanding the business side of things, because I think sure. individual hairstylists, whether you are a suite owner, salon owner, if you are working behind the chair, that is a business and you need to take responsibility of the success of that. Um, but I do believe as a leader, we need to show them and, and teach them and train them of how to be great and, and set examples. Is there any... Um, advice that you can give to salon owners, especially, you know, coming, coming off of the stress that has happened in our industry, um, of what we could do to maybe shift our business. Maybe it's our attitude as far as training our staff, continue this growth. Um, what, what's your guys' thoughts? 
I think the, the biggest thing that I, that I would recommend is, is first of all, never before in the history of salons that I'm aware of, and I'm third generation, has there been a timeout in our business? Has there been a time when the, the, the salon was closed? And I think that that, for some, that was a tremendous opportunity to look at every single moving part to say, what, what is it? When we reopen, how do I need to see the guest differently? How do we need to see our teams differently? What things do we need to start doing that perhaps we stopped? Because the salon industry is great for having, we're going to start doing this. And, and, you know, you have a big staff meeting and everybody's committed and you rah, rah, and you clap and, this is who we are. And two weeks later, no one's talking about it. And, and so we had this time out and we reopened the salon, but it was still under restrictions and restraints. Now is our time. I mean, look at the baseball parks. They're having a, a reopening day, right? <laughs> Even though, for example, uh, the, the White Sox are home for this three-day period of time, but when they come back for the next trip, they're going to reopen and have a grand reopening. And, and I think that salons should and could do that. It doesn't have to be a public a publicity event. It needs to be something that's so real that it can be felt when people walk in the business, that you're happy to see them, that you're committed to them, more committed than ever that you realize they've just been through the same thing. We all went through the same thing together, but differently. And so we're there to celebrate them and to deliver service at a level they've never seen before. And it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen by accident. It's going to happen one guest at a time in 30 to 60 minute increments. So you might want to do, well, and you might want to do something that is equivalent to um, uh, pre-COVID hours. I mean, we all had hours. Then that went to COVID. Then it went to COVID hours, and now we're gonna we're now we're gonna open back up. And maybe opening back up means beverage service again. Maybe it means individually wrapped snacks. Maybe it means something different to all of you. Maybe it's the plexiglass is coming down. But as Steve said, the guest needs to feel the difference. Um, when, it, when I was talking about that salon that had everything in place beautifully, it was the nail salon, the optics were done beautifully. And I think I missed this part in the story. What they, what they didn't do perfectly is no one knew how to speak about their commitment to safety. You could see their commitment to safety, but none of the staff knew how to speak about safety. You know, we're teaching maturity. We're teaching people how to carry themselves professionally. You know, when you take a look at um, what's happening in the, the generation now is they use the least amount of words necessary. They'd rather text than talk. And so I, I was having a conversation with our daughter and I said, gosh, I'm so tired. She goes, same. I mean, she didn't say I'm tired too, mom. You, you know, she said same. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is a great example of everyone <laughs> trying to say less. And we don't want that, you know, I, I need, um, you, I want lunch, same. When you look at it in the beauty industry, we don't have that luxury of using less words in the salon. 
our words have to complement what we're doing. And, you know, when I think about where I was at uh, about a month ago and teaching in a, in a high-end salon, one of the questions that came up right at the end of the day, and we did some brainstorming and, and uh, what can we become? Where are we now? What can we become? And one of the girls raised her hand and said, you know, it's nice. We spent eight hours here, but is anything going to change? And she said that right out loud. And I thought, oh my gosh, in that situation, does the team have respect for the organization? Or are we know, are you known for starting and stopping like Steve related and uh, shared with you earlier? I mean, this is, this is a leadership issue in most cases. We have to work on our leadership and not make excuses for what our dreams are for our business. We don't have to justify it. This is what we're going to do and this is where I'm going to take you. And hopefully they can keep up with you but you don't want your staff to get bored and lose confidence in your leadership. And so they're looking, what are those enhancements? What are we working on? And that's why we have walkouts. Jennifer, one of the things that, that I'd kind of like to leave the, the, the group that's been patient enough with us to, to listen and stay with us oh, is that the words, the words that we use with our guests, is us interviewing for the future that we want to live in. If we look at it as an interview, if we look at it as question-based, we, we want to communicate with this guest and we're interviewing for the future that we want to be part of, that we want to live in. We still know, even though we're in kind of an insta-famous society, we know that the number one way to build new business is a, a, a raving fan, a guest that leaves and says, you have got to go there. The only okay. way that's going to happen is, is with our words, with our dialogue, with the way we escort a guest and make them feel important for that 30 minutes to 60 minutes that we're with them. And, you know, when we, we talk about the steps of the service, it's also what are your standards in your salon? What are your standards? How do we carry ourselves? How are we, ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen? How do we do that? And you have to give examples of that. I love when people know my standards. That means I've conveyed my leadership. And, you know, I love when, when someone says, oh, Terry, you wouldn't want to go to that movie. That's, and I go, great. Obviously, I've shared my standards. And, and what I'm finding, the older I get, is the less standards are present. Anything goes, and and that's not that's not what's going to lock in employees or lock in guests to our businesses. I think that's just it's brilliant. It's brilliant to making sure not only as a leader that we have a servant mentality because we are serving our staff and exactly. setting those standards of what you want the expectations to be for the future vision growth of your business and to. Share, sharing that, Steve, like you said, over and over and over again and not exhausting that because uh, the, the staff need to consistently hear that. And moving forward, we've only got one minute left and I'd love to just hear uh, just one last uh, words of wisdom for you guys. But as we are entering in a new chapter for our beauty industry, what is your uh, what do you think is going to really make the best impact for salon success? Hmm. I'm thinking. I would say 
people, your people. We have to see them. We have to work to understand them. We have to see them not as a, uh, a rival to be defeated. We need to see them as, as people that we can grow. And, and because one let us down doesn't mean they all will. And because we've had a walkout doesn't mean that there's another one coming. It doesn't mean that we have to be less than who we are. It's, it's the fact to, to realize that you can't do all the hair in your given town. And you need to grow people in order to be able to grow the overall business. And I, you know what? There, there was a thing that Sam and I heard Zig Ziglar say a long time ago, and it's, do you train your people and have them leave? Or do you not train them and have them stay? And, and it's really so true. We have to invest in our people. And we have to make them all they can be. And, and I, you know, I, I think back, we all have those people, but Elsa soon had those people that he, as he got on in his years, he said, I'm the hairdresser I am today because of this person, this person, and this person. Okay. A salon owner's passion has to be that they want to be that person in the lives of their own staff that makes the magic happen. And I, and I think, you know, you take a look and you, you list everything, even yours, your name and the rest of your staff. And it could be just, you know, it could be the income producing employees and the non-income producing and do strengths and opportunities and make a list of all those things. And sometimes we do one meeting and it's a topic that only two really needed and the other five are mastering. So they think it's a waste of their time, but Let's take a look at, I'm, I'm, I was referring to an educational class. When you take a look at the opportunity side of that, first of all, how are you going to complement what they're doing well and reward and celebrate? But on the opportunity side, where are you scheduling to go after those opportunities? Or are you just going to have another year pass where you didn't address them at all? Oh, you guys, that is, that is just incredible. That's amazing. You know, I'm on the mission to really lower the percentage of salons that fail within the first five years, which is 75%. And I really believe that it's of poor planning, poor leadership. And the fact that you are telling us about the most important part of your business is people. And Steve, you talk about, it's about one haircut at a time. And it's also about training one person at a time and really creating an impact um, and, and leaving a legacy, right? And I think that we have two hands, one to feed ourselves and one to feed others. And I think that, um, you know, you can teach a man to fish and he'll eat for, or you could uh, give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day or teach a man to fish and he'll eat for life. And I think that yeah. those mottos, mottos hold very true to me. And I think that it's just so important to consistently be analyzing your business to find where the strengths and opportunities are and remember to reward and celebrate um, all the good things that have happened in your business and that will continue to come. Um, well, and I, and I, wanna, I wanna give one other visual for, for your listeners. Um, we went to, we were recommended by a staff member to uh, go to a new breakfast house um, in town. Okay, brand new. Went there. And I, I'm going to tell you that the food was outstanding. 
and the atmosphere a little cold but very very clean and um the service was nice but absolutely horrible nice person and couldn't deliver a service experience to the guests but very nice i don't have to go back there because they flunked that area of the business they didn't flunk the food they didn't flunk the atmosphere they didn't flunk the sanitation but no one trained her how to be a server and how often do we do that in our businesses we're more worried about um how the walls look versus how the people are going to sound in the business and that's why when you're critiquing the service the product the atmosphere and sanitation every single day you're either going to gain ground there or lose ground you're not going to stay the same and i don't know how someone didn't catch that there when the food is so good how could the food be that great and the service be that bad but that happens in salons too and it happens in our business too and we have to watch that very very closely and not make excuses for it lean into it and go after it to try to to change the the result you guys are just so incredible i thank you so much um, for your time today on clubhouse and being a part of the beauty business game changer podcast um steve terry um cohen you guys are amazing and everybody in the on uh in the audience today thank you so much for being a part of this um steve terry i'm not for sure if you're open to any questions i know that i told you i'd wrap this up at at um 12 if anybody has any questions and would like to come up on, on stage to ask steve or terry um anything please raise your hand i'll bring you up on stage um again i want to thank each and every one of you for being a part of this because um, you know, Clubhouse is just so amazing to make these great connections. I have literally four pages of notes, so I, I hope that other people have also written down all of the amazing things that you guys have said today. I, there was just so many great things that I'm going to go back to the drawing board and implement into my own business as a, a leader and as a hairstylist and things that I can implement into the guest experience. Um, if there's no questions, we're going to wrap this up. Um, thank you so much, Steve. Thank you, Terry. And I hope to, that we can connect soon. And I'm sure I will be back at PSC because your coaches clinic and um, the uh, Salon Inc., those classes are just outstanding, incredible, just jam-packed with amazing things. Is there any classes coming up soon that you'd like to share? Actually, we're going to be moving to um, uh, a virtual format so more people around the country can be involved. And so you'll see that coming up with a, just a little bit of a change in the near future. I just want to say thanks, Jennifer, for thinking of us and including oh, us yes. in, the, in the podcast and your and the clubhouse uh, room today. Uh, we appreciate you uh, very, very much, and we appreciate the, the people that stayed with us and 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 listened, and and we're just we're just uh, honored to be a small part of the of the beauty industry at a point where we want to give back. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Terry. Have a great day. You too. Bye, Thank everyone. You. Thank you, everyone.
Hey there, welcome back to the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast. I wanted to let you know that the Salon Business Masterclass is coming up real soon and I want to invite you to join me. Do not miss out on this live class if you are looking to gain clarity of your dream salon and eliminate the overwhelming disorganized thoughts of how to start a business. I will be pulling back the curtain to the pros and cons of business ownership, learn the most important things to do before you open your doors, how to attract more clients, and reasons why 75% of salons fail within the first five years and how to avoid them so that you can scale your business faster and easier. Whether you're thinking about opening up the salon or already signed a lease, join this class to gain better understanding of what it takes to operate a successful salon business. Salon Business Masterclass, you can register here and I will leave the link in the show notes. Hey friends, thanks for being a part of the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast. If you liked this episode, make sure to subscribe. And if you love this podcast, I would so appreciate to get a review from you. And there's more ways that we can connect as well. Send me a voice message and tell me where you're at in your business and how I can help you through this podcast. Thanks so much for being a part of this. And until next time, you can be the game changer.